Well, I hope through all of that worship that we just engaged in, whether you were singing, we were singing or, or listening, taking part, we were all singing at some points, letting others sing, but also agreeing and listening in. We were worshiping the newborn king, who is our savior, who has died and has risen again. And we await now his second coming. The passage I just want us to turn back to briefly. Bill already read it. Luke chapter 1. And I have covered this with you in the not too distant past and other Christmases. But something in particular, as we have been studying worship, that really stood out to me. And I just wanted to take a few minutes tonight. And emphasize this again. We have in verses 46 through 55, what is called today Mary's Magnificant, that is Latin for Mary and magnify. And her, I've referred to this before as her Christmas song, although if you would use the word Christmas back then, they wouldn't have known what you were talking about. But the thing I want to emphasize tonight. This is also, even more importantly, this is Mary's worship song. This is Mary worshiping the Lord, and she does this in a magnificent way. And so I want to see this again tonight as we read back through this. Mary teaches us how to worship in a right way our God, how to worship the Savior, our God. She says, my God, my Savior. And so, just a few things here as we look at this. Let's read starting at verse 46. And Mary said, this is in response to the angel Gabriel and his announcement, and then um, traveling to visit her cousin Elizabeth, finding out what was going on with Elizabeth and Elizabeth's uh, baby in her womb, responding to Mary's presence. And all of this just overwhelms Mary, and she exudes forth in praise and worship to God. She's overwhelmed. And folks, after we've heard what we've heard tonight and reminded of the truth, we should be overwhelmed too. Just like Mary, our hearts should be filled with joy. She is overjoyed. She's responding to God's blessings in her life. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary's overjoyed in her inward being, and this beautiful song that is obviously, uh, we know, is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and yet it is her personality, her words coming forth here, her joy, the psalm of faith and confidence in the God of Israel, and she exudes this confidence, even in the midst of desperate straits and desperate times, as we talked about this morning, the darkness. Mary, in response to what God is doing for her, from her really her innermost being, her soul. This is the innermost part of her spiritual being, and she is, she is praising and exalting her sovereign Lord, who is in control of all things, as she recognizes that. What does it mean to magnify? Again, just a reminder, 
to magnify, as she says, my soul, my innermost being magnifies the Lord. That's to make God great in your own life and to lift up as your only focus of worship. And Mary's going to continue to remind us there is only one focus of worship that God's people should be involved in, and it is to their God, their heavenly father. Mary would have been literally horrified in seeing some religious actions today and somehow magnifying her and, and somehow almost lifting her up as close to deity. She would have been horrified by that. That really is false worship. Anyone that is engaged in praying to Mary or exalting Mary really is involved in false worship. And Mary would say that. She would testify. That is not right. Because our worship should be to God, to God, my Savior. She has a deep joy here. And she begins to meditate on God's saving plan and how he has chosen her to have a small part in that. She does not magnify herself in any way. She fully magnifies God. And what he's doing. Again, that word for rejoice, as we see in verse 47, my spirit, my inward being hath rejoiced in God, my savior. That means overjoyed, extremely joyful. As she meditates on the fact that God has chosen her to play this amazing part, the mother of the Messiah it must have been overwhelming to her. And as we focus, Certainly, we have not, none of us have ever had the role that Mary is given here, but God does give us roles to play in his service and in ministry and in service to him. And we ought to marvel. We ought never to be prideful about that or never to feel like we have arrived and somehow um, have some sort of control or, or power emphasis on that ministry that God has given to us. But like Mary, we ought to be in awe that God uses us at all. And she is. And she recognizes here right away, right? In verse 47, this is something else that's very key that for those of your friends who through Catholicism or through um, other aspects of, as they're presented as, as false worship, this needs to be pointed out that Mary made it clear she needed a savior. She was a sinner that needed salvation, that needed the work of the Messiah in her own life because she says that. And God, my Savior, he's what I need. I need salvation. And she's praising the Lord that he would use her in this way. And again, look at how she describes God's blessings in her life. She considers herself of lowly, of humble estate, such that even God, she's amazed that God would notice her because she recognizes God isn't obligated to notice me. I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm not worthy of his recognition. I'm not worthy of this great thing that he has done for me. And yet he has regarded, verse 48, the low, the humble estate of his handmaiden, of his servant. Amazing. She's marveling in this. She's not in any way saying, I deserve this. I'm so humble. I'm so lowly. Of course, God would pick me. That's the exact opposite. There's no, she would never paint a halo over her head in any way. But she marvels that the humble position of, of herself as God's servant, she recognizes that she serves him. 
And yet, in his grace, he has magnified her, and people will call her blessed. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. God joys finds joy in in exalting those that are humble because it all goes back to him and the honor goes back to him. And for us today, as we humbly come before God and thank him for sending his son, God joys to, to bless us with the joys of Christmas as we think of all that we received in this joyous season by God's grace. He he enjoys, he loves to um, bless us when we recognize him in worship. And that's what we've done tonight. And so she says, because of all this, again, marveling, all generations, people from all time will look upon me and call me blessed. And again, she's not exalting herself, but she's, she's marveling. Me, a lowly handmaiden. And throughout all history, People will know me as the mother of the Messiah. (laughs) Lord, I don't deserve this. This is amazing. And I worship you. I give you all the glory back. None of it's mine. Because she says in verse 49, he that is mighty, the mighty warrior has done to me great things. And holy is his name. The mighty warrior of Israel is a picture of here throughout the Old Testament. God is pictured as a mighty warrior. And she talks about the fact that this mighty warrior who is able to overcome, as we talked about this morning, the very darkness, spiritual darkness. He is able to overcome that. And she's marveling in this incredible miracle that she will give birth to the Messiah. And we marvel even more than Mary does today as we think we know from the gospel of john that she would give birth to as john described the very word made flesh remarkable and mary knows this is a mighty thing and he is worthy the mighty one the mighty god of israel is holy sinless but focused here on his uniqueness and power and authority no one else could do for her what god will do and she is saying He is worthy of all of my praise because of what he's about to do. And folks, even as we've sung and as we've had the scriptures read tonight, God is worthy of all this and far more. And yet he allows us the opportunity to be able to worship him in this way as we get ready for Christmas, preparing our hearts to worship him. And then she broadens the scope as we quickly finish up here to what God has done for his people. And for all people, and let's continue to read there, his mercy is on or for them that fear him from generation to generation. For those that humble themselves and are in awe of his character and his person and his majesty like Mary has, she says, I know that he will show you mercy because I have personally experienced this in my own life. He has shown me mercy. And he will show all those, all people who will humble themselves and fear him. He will show them mercy too. He has shown strength with his arm. That picture of his arm is all powerful. 
And what will he do with those that will not give him the worship that he, that he expects and that really demands? He will deal with them, for they are proud. All of those who are engaged in false worship are disobedient and they're proud, and God will deal with them. He hath scattered the proud and the imagination thoughts of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, their thrones, and exalted them of low degree, humble estate. Folks, whether it be CEOs of corporations or presidents or kings or rulers of this earth, when they in their thoughts think of themselves more highly than God and they worship themselves over God, they will have a reckoning one day, Mary reminds us, and they will be brought low. And those that look at themselves as having all power and very powerful, whether it's over financial um, estate or whether it's political or whatever, and they look down on others and they expect others to somehow um, exalt them and provide them worship. The one that is deserving of all that worship will one day um, put them down from their high places. Do you know someone who's arrogant and who is a thorn in your side because of their pride and their false worship? Pray for them. One day they'll be exalted, they'll be deposed from their own throne, and they will be shown in no uncertain terms who is the real one who is worthy of praise. I think what Mary's also saying is better, better to praise him like I am right now than to find out one day that you have worshipped yourself, that you have rejected God, and that ultimate judgment is coming. And she's, um, she's inviting us to give him proper worship that he deserves now, because those of humble estate, of low degree, he will exalt. God loves to exalt those that are humble, that are low. Folks, that ought to encourage us because that's all of us, right? We're the lowly ones. And we may feel insignificant, but God in his timing, as we worship him in the way that he responds in his mercy, he will exalt those of us who are insignificant and allow us to rule and reign with him one day. Remarkable. He content, she continues with the blessings for those that worship God in the right way. He hath filled the hungry Possibly the physical hungry here, but even more importantly, the spiritually hungry with good things. And the rich he hath sent away empty. They had their time. In this life, the rich had all their needs and everything and their wants. And they chose to exalt themselves. And they will one day eternally be sent away empty. But he hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed and offspring forever. And as we think about how God will one day rule and reign, and for those that love him and that are willing to worship him now in the right way, he has wonderful things for us today. We've had wonderful things tonight. We have heard wonderful, beautiful music and singing and the opportunity to exalt God, we have been filled. And if that's not enough, we'll also be filled in a few minutes with physical food. The Lord gives blessings to us. And he'll give blessings to us this week as we're with family. And we enjoy the time that we have and enjoy Christmas together with family and friends. Oh, we, we are a blessed people today.
but one day we'll be blessed beyond our imaginations. So what do we go? What do, where do we... Where do we take all this as we meditate on Mary's lesson on worship? Folks, we have much to worship God for. We should never be um, at a question, should never um, be wondering, what, what, what can I praise God? What can I worship for God for today? I think I've thought through my list of thankfulness, and I'm, I'm, I've covered all the main ones, and that's it. I have nothing more. No. It's, it should be an eternal list of things that we're thanking God for. And in this Christmas season, thanking him that he sent his son, Jesus, as a babe. 100% human, but 100% God. Boggles our minds. He came. He was born to die, as we just sang, that we might live. Proclaim that message to a dark world who needs that. Let's continue to proclaim that. Let's show them who really deserves to be worshipped. I have a quote here as we finish up. The German um, theologian Diedrich, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I love this quote. Who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger, whoever remains lowly and lets God alone be high, whoever looks at the child in the manger and sees the glory of God precisely in his lowliness, that person will be celebrating Christmas in the right way. And so I hope that that is you tonight and throughout this week. That as we recognize our holy, humble estate, as Mary did, you will be the recipients of great joy. That is a promise that God will deliver.